You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, legacy, we've been talking about that for a few weeks now, but that last song we just did, is that not just a powerful song? I mean, really to think about what Christ has done for us and to think that God made a way for our salvation and to think that we were even, not that we're worthy, but we were worth it for him to send his only son to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him and to tell that to other people. That's what we've been commissioned to do, right? And that's why we're talking about legacy. We're talking about what is remembered about a person. What will be remembered about you? Can I tell you a little bit about Granny? This is my grandma, my dad's mom. We called her Granny, and she kind of picked that name out whenever the great-grandkids came along. And so we started, went from Grandma Peyton to Granny. And Granny, I remember vividly, I was in my teenage years, I remember when Granny got saved. Because when Granny got saved, Granny got Pentecostal saved. Okay? When she got saved, everybody knew. It wasn't just this like little quiet prayer, and you go, did anything change? Let me tell you something. When Granny got saved, things changed. You know what Granny did? She quit smoking. Granny got saved from cigarettes, too. And she, I remember her saying that, that she just prayed that God would just take that taste away from her, and she threw them away and never went back. She didn't, she didn't fall off the wagon or anything like that. Granny, when she got saved, she got saved, and she couldn't stop talking about it. She couldn't stop talking about heaven. I'd go over to her house and sit there and always kind of raided her pantry, you know, in the middle of the day when I was working, and I'd go over there for, for lunch break, and Granny's house was filled with whatnots. Anybody have any whatnots? My granny had whatnots everywhere, so everywhere she went, she bought some kind of a whatnot as a, remember, a remembrance from going there, her souvenir, and, you know, when she died, everybody got whatnots, and that's probably, my kids have some, we have some, and they're everywhere, but granny, I just never forget what happened with her whenever she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She did it up in her years, and she had a hard life. I'm telling you, she, she, uh, my grandfather was, a, uh, was, was in the military. He was a veteran, and by the way, thank you to all of our veterans. We hope that you felt celebrated over the last few days. Um, great breakfast yesterday for them, and, uh, but, but he was a veteran and moved her around all over the place, and they just had a hard life, but woman, she got it. She really, really got it, and she passed off that memory to me, and she talked about Jesus all the time. So I just want to start with this question. When your life is nothing but a story to tell, what story do you want to be told? Because at some point, people are going to use words and phrases to describe your life. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. We started off with talking about a family legacy and, and the faith of our kids and how we pass that off to our kids and our grandkids. Last week, we talked about financial legacy. Probably didn't feel very spiritual, but it's very practical. This week, we're talking about faith legacy or spiritual legacy for all of us and what that means for us. And so when your life is nothing but a story to tell, what story do you want to be told, because there are going to be words and phrases that will be used to describe you. They will use words and phrases to describe you as a husband, faithful, 
Was she faithful? Was he faithful? There'll be, there'll be words that your kids will describe you as. They'll use words and phrases that, man, dad was, he, you know, he was attentive. He was there. He was there for everything that we ever needed from there. He was a hard worker. He provided for us. And, and, but he was a spiritual leader in our home. Moms, man, my mom was a, she just loved us with an unconditional love. You never doubted mom's love for you. You know, there are going to be things that are be told about church members too. Good stories that they were faithful. You could depend upon them. They were they were there all the time. They got their family there. And there are things that your your boss is going to say about you. Your your your, uh, your employees are going to say about you. Uh, your friends are going to say about you. What kind of story do you want told when your life is nothing more than a story to tell? We're looking at 2 Timothy chapter number one today, as Tom's already told you. This is the story of, or it's kind of the letter that Paul wrote to a young preacher, a young preacher named Timothy. Um, and Paul was later in his life, Paul was imprisoned. He knew that his life was probably nearing its end. He was probably going to be killed for his faith. He was going to become a martyr. And so he was handing off, he had been handing off faith to Timothy. And this is the second letter that he wrote to young Timothy. And there's some indications in here that Timothy had gone through some discouragement. He'd gone through some things in his life that he, Paul felt like he needed to send him another letter to encourage him with. And so here's how Paul starts this um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now let me just tell you a little bit about that word apostle. Apostle simply means sent one. So it's, it's someone who is sent out, and this word kind of gets a little bit mishandled, um, I think, these days, um, because in the, Old, or in the New Testament, in, in Scripture, there were certain ones who were considered the apostles. The apostles were men who had been personal eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they had certain giftings that were unique and specific to them during that time period as Apostles. They were apostolic gifts that they had during that time period. And Paul was saying that he was an apostle. He had witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He had been radically saved. He had been saved just like Granny was saved. He went out telling everybody about it. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. So Paul, an apostle, is sent one by Jesus Christ, and, and so he was according to the will of God. Let me just ask you this. How would you describe yourself? I mean, you were going to talk about how people would describe you, but right now, I mean, really, how would you describe yourself? Would you describe yourself as someone who is sent by God? Would you describe yourself as someone who is living according to the will of God and looking forward to the promise, the, the revelation of eternal life in Jesus Christ? Would you describe yourself as someone like that? Paul was looking forward to that. Paul was looking forward to this promise of eternal life, and he could confidently describe himself as one who was an apostle of Jesus Christ and one who was doing that according to the will of God. God. And then he tells us who he wrote it to. He says, to Timothy, my beloved child. Now, this was not his biological child. This was his spiritual child. We would call him the disciple of Paul. Timothy would be a disciple of Paul. He was a young pastor, and uh, he was doing the work of the Lord, and he was going through some discouragement. And Paul said, listen, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knew what this young pastor needed. He knew that if you're going to follow Jesus for any length of time, and if you're going to try to do anything to accomplish the will of God in your life, you're going to need grace, 
And you're gonna need mercy, and you are certainly gonna need peace that comes from God. We all want grace, right? We all need grace. We all go through things in our life that we just need an outpouring of the grace of God. And there are times that we do things that we shouldn't do, and we need the mercy of God. But all the way through, we need peace that comes from God. Because this life is going to bring us trials. It's going to bring us tribulations. It's going to bring us heartaches. It's going to bring us disappointments. And we're going to go through things that we can only make it through it if we have the peace that comes from God. I sat with uh, Todd and Kathy Seckler all afternoon Friday while Cassidy was in that heart procedure. And they've been through it. I'm just telling you, they have been through it watching their young teenage daughter just go through some health issues and, and the concern that parents have for that. And, and, and you look at that and you just go, how in the world could you make it through? Well, you know how they make it through? It's through faith. It's through peace that comes from God and the confidence that we have in God, that he's going to take us through whatever it is that we faith. It's the same faith, it's the same peace that Jerry and Vicki have even today while they're in the hospital waiting on answers and looking for answers. It's peace. And, and so Paul is telling Timothy, he said, there are some things that you're gonna need in this life. And as, as the older generation speaking into the younger generation, you're gonna need grace, you're gonna need mercy, and you're gonna need peace that can only come from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says, I thank God whom I serve. I mean, he's, he's saying, I can thank God that I serve him, and I am faithful to serving him, whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. What Paul, what Paul was describing was his family, his background, his dad was a Greek, his mom was, a, uh, was Jewish, and his, his uh, grandmother was Jewish. And so Paul had this, Paul had this um, I'm sorry, that was Timothy, but Paul came from a background that he was in the Jewish faith, and he was deeply embedded in the Jewish faith. He grew up in a home where he knew his father and his mother were, were in the faith, and he'd actually been educated by a guy by the name of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was one of the foremost rabbis of the time, and Paul grew up in that. And he says, so I can thank God whom I serve. And he was, he was writing some things down about himself, and, and I just encourage you, think about how, how, you, how you would describe yourself. How would you describe yourself? And Paul is saying, I serve him as did my ancestors, did it with a clear conscience. Now, Paul had taken his faith that had been handed to him by his parents and he had actually built upon that faith. So Paul followed Jewish parents, but Paul, in all of his education, learned scripture, memorized scripture, but in that, he also put his faith in Jesus Christ. He got to see the Messiah. So he was building upon the faith in what his parents had laid a foundation. And as a parent and a grandparent, and as so many of you, when you look at the faith of your children and your grandchildren, when you see that growing, it's an encouragement. You start to see that and you go, man, I am so glad that the faith of the next generation is as strong or stronger than my faith. And he continued and he says, as I remember your tears. So apparently there was something that was going on in Timothy's life that brought him to a place of tears when Paul was with him the previous time. And he says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And so he says, I remember your tears. I remember that last time we were together, there was something going on. And we don't know exactly what that was. So all we can do is just kind of think about what it might have been. There could have just been some discouragement 
and being obedient to the, to the call of, of God upon his life. He could have been going through some discouragement as a pastor, which I certainly know that is true at times. There just could have been some, some things in his life that he was just having a difficult time managing, some things that had changed. He may have been experiencing some loneliness because Paul was, had, had not been with him, and so he was you know, overcome with some loneliness. So no matter what it was, I think he, you know, Paul sometimes writes in such a way that we can just go, you know what? I've had some tears. There have been some things in my life that I've been really down about. And all of us have gone through that. There, we just went through, I mean, a major pandemic that really radically changed our lives. It changed the way we interact with people socially. It changed the way we interact in business and all kinds of things have changed. And there's a certain amount of grieving that is still going on. I'm reading a book right now. I'm finishing up a book by John Eldridge called Resilience. And it's really, how do we carry all the pain and the heartache and the disappointment and the discouragement and all the trauma that we experienced during COVID. And now we're just saying, okay, that's behind us and we're okay, but we're not okay. There are things that we still deal with. And so there are, there are issues that bring us to tears that Paul is writing to Timothy about. He says, I remember your tears. And when we go through those things, we need somebody that will encourage us. I've got a couple of people in my life that if I'm, if I'm going through something, all I've got to do is give them a text message or give them a phone call and say, hey, can we meet for coffee? Can we meet for lunch? Can we just get together and talk? Because I just need some encouragement. I need somebody to slap me around a little bit occasionally, but sometimes it's just I need encouragement. And so Paul was telling Timothy, hey, I remember the tears that you shed, and I'm longing to see you. And when I see you, I get filled with joy. When I see what you're going through and, I, and, and the way you're handling it, listen, you may not think you're handling it well. It may bring you to tears, but I'm encouraged by your faith. And as I was mentioning earlier, when I watch my kids parent their kids, I get filled with joy. When I, get, when I know that my kids are bringing up their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord each and every week, and they're faithful to that, and they're teaching them that, I am encouraged. It brings me much joy. When I see the faith of the next generation growing, I get much joy from that. And what I want to see is the next generation to be stronger than the generation that we are in right now. Because I'm telling you, they're going to need it. It gets increasingly harder and harder and harder to live and walk a Christian life. It is so difficult. And as difficult as it is for the generation ahead of me, like Granny and my parents, it's been hard for me, but my son and my grandkids and my daughters and my granddaughters, they have it harder than what I've had it. And it's going to be harder and harder. And so we need to pray that they would be able to be resilient through that. And then when we see their faith flourish, we need to find much joy. And we need to encourage them in that. Not just that, hey, I see that you're walking in the Lord. No, get specific about it. Says that, listen, I see the way that you handled that relationship breakup that you just went through, and you really handled that well, if they did. I, I, I want to say, tell them, I see that you, the way you handled adversity, and it brings me much joy to see that. A couple of weeks ago, Porter, our oldest grandson, was, he was playing flag football, and, and uh, there's a kid on his team that he's just, he's fast as lightning. He's just as fast as he can be. And he'll run down the field, you know, just getting a touchdown and he'll just look back at everybody else and wave. He's so fast. But in this particular game, he had had a couple of, you know, missteps. He had done some things that, that just weren't living up to what he thought it should be. And he could tell he was discouraged, but we're walking back to the car. I don't think I've told you all this story yet. Um, 
But we were walking back to the car, and he was in front of us with his grandma. And she had her arm around him, and she was just in a tender yet firm way. She was saying, now listen, you can't get out there, and when you mess up, start acting like that. Because when you do that, it affects the way you play the next play and the way you play the next down, and it affects your teammates. You gotta, you gotta just shrug that stuff off. And so when I'm playing golf, I'm, make, I'm letting her grandma um, speech go off in my head. You gotta shrug that last hole off, you know? We need somebody like that in our lives, right? But I just was like, that is the faith of a generation passing off encouragement two generations down. And we need those people. You need those family members. You need those older generation people, whether they're family or not. Somebody that will put their arm around you and just tell you, hey, you need to just shake it off and you need to, and, and let them affirm your faith so that they can be filled with joy. And that's what Paul was talking to Timothy about. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. I'm reminded of it. I, you've got this faith in you. I've seen it in action. And I'm reminded of it. It's a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. And not only in your grandmother Lois, but she handed it off to your mother Eunice. And now I am sure that faith dwells in you as well. And this was Paul's reminder to Timothy that this thing did not just happen in you. There has been a generation after generation of faith being passed down. And don't be the person who lets the next generation down, whether it be your children, your grandchildren, or other people in your life. Don't be the person who stops that generational passing off and handing down of faith. But here's the thing. Although Paul, I'm sorry, although Peter... Timothy, I'll get it right. Although Timothy benefited from the faith of his grandmother and his mother, his faith still had to be personal. So let me just put it this way. Faith must be personal to be permanent. So if you think about when you get to heaven, okay, and I'm not sure that you know, we get to the pearly gates and Peter's standing there waiting. I'm not sure who told that first joke, but you know. Not sure that's how it, how it works. But if you were to get to heaven and you could veer and peer through the pearly gates and Jesus was standing there or Peter going, oh, listen, I don't have your name on the roster. or Your name's not written in the book. And you go, well, maybe you just need to check under my grandma or under my mama or under my daddy. Just check under their name and see, because isn't this a family thing? And he would just look at you and go, no. Your faith, no matter what the faith of the previous generation looks like, your faith has to be personal in order for it to be permanent. You're not going to get into heaven based upon your pedigree. You're not going to get to heaven based upon who your mama was or your daddy was or your grandma was, your grandpa was. You're not going to get to heaven on any of those merits. It's only going to be when you get to heaven, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Did you ever come to a place in your life where you said, you know what? My sins are my sins, and my sins need to be forgiven by my God. And God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner that needs your salvation, and I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, then the faith becomes personal. And none of our faith should be private. So our, pay, our faith must be personal, but it can't be private either. And so Timothy, who had a great dad and a great mother, passing off a great faith and a great grandmother, all of those things were fine and dandy, but he had to come to a place where he would eventually make that faith personal. And he did that. 
He had been well-trained in scripture. He knew a lot, but he still had to make sure he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. So where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you kind of going off someone else's credentials and off of someone else's pedigree or someone else's faith? Or do you have your own personal faith in Jesus Christ? And as we look at that, we got to think that we are an example to the next generation. Because here's what I know about the next generation. There is a battle raging for the faith of the next generation. There's a battle raging for them. If you don't believe it, there are principalities and darkness, spiritual warfare going on for your kids right now. For the next generation, there is a battle raging for them. And it's subtle, but it is strategic. And Satan knows what he's doing. And parents and grandparents and the generation ahead, whether you have kids or not, listen, we have got to continue to fight this battle. You've got to have more of those talks like that grandma was when she was talking to her grandson. You've got to have those moments where you just speak truth into their lives. And you've got to prioritize the faith of the next generation. You almost have to prioritize their faith over your preferences in order for them to continue and to to learn from us and to grow even to a place beyond us. And so the, the faith of the generation, the next generation, is so important because there is a battle going on for them. And it is subtle, but it is certain and it is strategic and it is Satan at work. So we've got to continue. There was a book I read a number of years ago by the guy, a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is responsible for the, the message um, paraphrase Bible. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. It's Eugene Peterson basically reading the Bible and writing a, a, the message Bible, which is really a commentary on what he thinks of, about those passages. So, but he wrote a book, and it was called A a a long obedience in the same direction. I read it years ago, and it's a really good book, meaning because as parents, there are times that we misstep, right? There are times that we just don't get it right. I mean, for goodness sake, it's the first time you ever raised a teenager. Not like you have any experience at that. And then the next one comes along, and you go, are you even related to the first one? Because they have a whole different personality and a whole set of issues that they've got that's different. And then the third one comes along, and It's all new deal. And so like we misstep occasionally, but let me just encourage you parents. It is a long obedience in the same direction that ultimately makes a difference in their faith. And I put it this way, your long obedience in the same direction might be the difference maker in the faith of the next generation, whether they're your children or whether they're other people in the church. There are men and women who have gone on to be with the Lord, and I look at them, and I still remember the faith of those men, the faith of those women who set an example for me, who spoke truth into my life, who encouraged me, and they weren't even my relative. But that's, that's what we do as a church. We're a body of Christ, and we must all have this long obedience in the same direction, because that might be the difference maker in the next generation. When you, when you mess up, you just keep plodding along, right? You just keep going. Paul goes on, verse 6. For this reason, I'm remi- I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's a gift of God that every one of us has. Each and every one of us has been given a gift from God, the moment of salvation. And what Paul was saying, he says, I reminded that you need to fan into flame the gift. 
And this is where I was talking about, when you speak to the next generation, tell them what it is that you admire about them and get specific. You tell them specifically, hey, I recognize and I admire this about you. I see God working in your life in this way and I am encouraged by that. It brings me much joy. And be specific about that. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of the gift, I'm reminded of fan into flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And I'm just telling you, this phrase right here, the laying on of hands, that cannot be underestimated. The value of, of the laying on of hands when it comes to affirmation and encouragement. That grandma, if I keep referencing her, arm around her grandson, speaking into his ear, making sure he heard what she said. But there was that, that physical touch. There was something about that physical touch that makes a difference. When people pray at the altar and we walk up, we lay our hands on them. We pray over them. There's something about the laying on of hands that is an encouragement. And it's the fanning into flame, the gift that is in other people. And then he finishes up. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And if I can just dive into those for just a moment, he says, God's not given us the spirit of fear. What he was talking about with Timothy is this spirit of being timid, this idea of just being a coward in his faith. And Timothy might have been a little bit less aggressive than Paul was. So Timothy might have felt like he was a little bit less than Timothy, I mean, less than Paul, because he didn't have the same personality. He didn't seem to have the same temperament. And so Paul was saying, listen, I don't want you to live in a spirit of fear, because that's not of God. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. He didn't give you the spirit of timidity. He didn't give you the spirit of cowardice. He gave you a different kind of spirit. And the spirit he gave you is one of power. And this little word power right here, it's a word, it's a Greek word, it's dunamis. And you may be able to guess what English word we get from that. It's the word dynamite. So he's saying, listen, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. What God has given you, he has given you dynamite power. He has given you the spirit of, from, from the Holy Spirit that is empowering you. It's the same word that Jesus used when he was getting ready to go to heaven and he looked at his disciples and he said, you will receive dunamis. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the church exploded. It exploded. There were so many people that, that, that came on or came into faith as a result of the Holy Spirit living in them. So Paul was saying, Timothy, that timidity that you're living in, that cowardice, that, that lack of boldness that you have, that's not from God. That is something in you that you need to overcome. You need to get past that because you've been given the Holy Spirit power. You've been given the Holy Spirit kind of agape love. It's that unconditional love. It's that, that love that you need to have for other people and the love that you need to have for God. And not only that, you need to be living by self-control. Self-control. You need to have this idea of self-control. And with self-control, this is a quote from Timothy Keller. It's the ability to always choose the important, the important thing rather than the urgent thing. This will always be a battle when it comes to passing off faith to the next generation. Dads, moms, other adults, there will always be a temptation to run to the urgent at the expense of the important. But it needs to be that we never neglect the important for the sake 
of the urgent. We've got to make sure that we understand what is important. It may seem urgent to take that phone call when you're hanging out with your kids. It may, be seem, it may seem urgent to work some overtime in the moment, but it may be more important for you to be present with your family. You may have some urgent things that are calling upon you, but it may be more important for you to spend time with somebody in a disciple-making relationship. But the urgent will always be screaming louder. And the important will always be whispering back there, hey, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Make sure, and so Timothy Keller says, self-control is the ability to choose the important over the urgent. Self-control is the ability to say, I know where I am going, I have my focus, and to ditch all competing concerns. That's what self-control is. It's that long obedience in the same direction. Just keep plodding along. The bottom line today is this. We teach what we know, but we replicate who we are. You can say stuff all you want to, but your kids are learning by what you're doing. The next generation is learning by what you are doing. So if you're a, a, a single guy and your life is sold out to God, listen, the next generation is seeing that. If you're a single lady and your, your life is sold out to God, the next generation, whether they're your kids or not, the next generation is benefiting and learning from that. And here's what Paul later on said to Timothy. This is legacy, okay? Watch this. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, what I want you to do is what you've heard, you go and trust that to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Three generations, three points of legacy being handed off. What you've heard from me, Paul says, I want you to entrust that to faithful men and those faithful men will be able to go and teach that to others also. I'm reading a book right now about disciple-making leaders and making leaders who are disciple-makers. And one of the things that he talks about in there is the fact that this doctor who was in training told him, he says, what they tell us is you go watch a surgery, you go do a surgery, and then you go teach a surgery. And that is the best way to you, for you to get good at your practice. I'd like to have a doctor opening up my heart if ever I have to have open heart surgery who has watched one, done one, and taught one because then I know that he or she is really familiar with the process. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy is saying, you have heard it and you have entrusted that and those entrusted men will go and teach others also. So you learn, do, and you teach. That is the process of what he's talking about. And so around here, we get encouraged when we see somebody handing off faith to another person. When I've made a disciple of someone and they are <clears throat> walking with Jesus and they in turn go and begin di discipling someone else and help them follow Jesus better, learning the characteristics and the priorities of Jesus, then we are doing this. We have heard it, we have entrusted it, and we watch others go and teach it. And this is the reason that you are here today because of this. This verse right here is the reason we're here. Because Paul taught Timothy and Timothy taught others, who in turn went and taught others. Who are you teaching? Who is it that you are discipling or mentoring, whatever you wanna call it? Who are you intentionally passing off your faith to? It may not be your kids, but it certainly needs to be somebody. Now close with this. When your life is nothing but a story to tell, what story do you want to be told? 
because there's a story that's gonna be told. And the only time you have any influence over that story is while you have breath in your lungs. So what will you do today to make sure that story is a story worth telling? Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Today would be the day to do that. Myself and Tom Fisher will be down front here at the, at the altar. If you need somebody to pray with, feel free to come see us. If not, you can meet some of us back in the VIP room as soon as this service is over. But let's just stand together. Father, we're so thankful for the faith of a man like Paul. But I'm so thankful, God, that Paul didn't keep it private. God, he made it public and he shared it with Timothy who went out and shared it with somebody else, who in turn shared it with somebody else. And God, I pray that you will help us to be disciple makers, whether it be our family, our friends, our loved ones, it be anybody, God, that we would just pass off our faith to someone. So when our life is nothing more than a story to tell, it's a story that you'll be glad was told. So help us to live a life of obedience a long life of obedience in the same direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.